Well, good morning. Our scripture reading for today is from the book of Acts, the first 11 chapters of the first verse. Hear now the word of the Lord. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Before I introduce our guests, I just want to remind you, remind you and emphasize that we have a, a congregational gathering tonight uh, in the Life Center. At 6 o'clock, we'll have some chili and some food, so if you want to come for that, that'd be great. Uh, if you know uh, you're coming and you have an RCP, let's uh, just put on your card, drop it in the offering bag or baskets when you leave, and we'll know that. There's also child care if you're worried about that. And then at 6.30, we will have uh, our, our two guests uh, spend some time sharing about who they are and uh, what they're about and what, what's God, what God is laying on their hearts, how the Spirit is moving, and then we'll have some dialogue and conversation with them. Uh, so our guest today, uh, our president, John Winrick, is here. He's the president of our denomination. He's here with his wife, Julie. Um, and then we also have Paul Robinson. Uh, he's the executive director of our initiative, our department uh, of Love, Mercy, uh, Do Justice. So we're very excited to have them here today. I'm going to encourage John to come forward at this time and to bring the word. Good morning. It's good to see you, Julie and I and Paul. We're so happy to be here with you today. And as the president of the Covenant Church, I came all this way to personally say thank you. Thank you so very much for your partnership in the gospel, this gospel that is bearing fruit all over the world. We are a union of 903 covenant churches scattered across the United States and Canada. We are a people who are grounded in the scriptures, the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. And we are on mission together. Our shared mission is to join God in God's mission to see more disciples among more populations in a more caring and just World, And we accomplish this mission together through this joint partnership in the gospel by um, 
implementing five strategic mission priorities. Start and strengthen churches, make and deepen disciples, develop leaders, love mercy, do justice, and serve globally. Together, we are proclaiming and demonstrating the whole gospel. Together, we are going deeper in Christ and further in mission. The Holy Spirit is the blazing center of our mission. Look at this graphic. It's just crazy out there. I mean, there's so much going on in our world today with polarization and fragmentation and this and that. How do we stay centered on the Lord? Well, we stay centered by staying connected to the blazing center, the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. Ever since our founding in 1885, we have emphasized a living faith. This living faith made possible by the new and living way opened up for us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This living faith is another way of saying that we want to be consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit. In fact, one of our founders and early leaders of the covenant, way back to 1885, David Nivel, uh wrote this about the Holy Spirit. And we were known as mission friends. And by the way, some of the best friends I've made in life are those I met while on mission. And that's who we are as covenanters at our best. We're mission friends. Here's what David Nivel says. Without the spirit, yes, literally the very essence is missing. And the Bible becomes a casket for dead, dead dogmas instead of a garden of life and fragrance. The Holy Spirit's role is to illumine the scriptures as we read them so we can really be filled with the presence of Jesus. So one of our official beloved covenant affirmations is a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, my favorite word is the word awaken. Would you say that with me? Awaken. Good job. Let's hear it from the crew here. Let's say it again. Awaken. I hear you. Thank you. And I love this word because it means that suddenly our eyes are open to what we've been missing all along. And it's no coincidence that the great revivals, the evangelical revivals in our country were called the great awakening because the scales from our eyes dropped. We saw Jesus and our own sin and our brokenness and the need for us to be right with God and to make the world right, and we said yes to Jesus, and thousands and thousands of people were awakened by the moving of the Holy Spirit in repentance and brokenness and new life in Christ. The great awakenings and revival can still happen today. We serve a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When I was growing up, I grew up in a great church. We were strong on proclamation, but not very strong on demonstration. I'll be talking more about that tonight. Uh, But I, I heard so much about God the Father, so much about God the Son, and so very little 
about God, the Holy Spirit. Some theologians say that the Holy Spirit is like the Cinderella of the Trinity, off in a corner somewhere, just getting the job done, but we don't really notice. Well, I'm here to tell you today that the Holy Spirit is God and worthy of our notice. The Holy Spirit is God and worthy of our love and our devotion and our relationship and our worship. The Holy Spirit is God. I just want to say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Do you? And we said that today. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And yet how little we talk about the Holy Spirit or appropriate the Spirit's power for mission. Oh, I love the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is an actual person. Now, the Holy Spirit does not have a body. And this may be why some people don't think the Holy Spirit is actually a person. But the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit just doesn't have a human body like we do because the Holy Spirit is spirit, not flesh. The Holy Spirit is a person, a person who has all the elements of personhood. The Holy Spirit has intellect. The Holy Spirit has will. The Holy Spirit has emotion. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we know that the Holy Spirit is a person because of what Jesus told us about the Holy Spirit. We're told not to blaspheme the Holy Spirit or to grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal cosmic force. The Holy Spirit is not an atmosphere. The Holy Spirit is a person that we can actually grieve because the Holy Spirit has will, intellect, and emotion. And we can know the Holy Spirit who is really the Spirit of Jesus living in every believer. The work of the Holy Spirit is absolutely amazing. I mean, think about this with me for a moment. Without the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be any creation because Genesis 1 tells us that the Holy Spirit is hovering over the primordial waters in Genesis chapter 1. Without the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be any prophets or prophecy because the Word tells us that these prophets spoke for God as they were carried by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be any virgin birth or incarnation because as we again recited today, Mary conceived through the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no resurrection of Jesus from the dead because the Spirit of God raised the Son of God. And we're told that the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies. Aren't you glad you're saved today? And let's share and show and tell that good news in a world that is absolutely crazy. We need to be centered on the person and work of the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't even be a church. There wouldn't even be this church. Because the church was born in Acts chapter 2, 2,000 years ago, when the Holy Spirit came down upon those 120 believers. That's when the church was born. Without the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be any Christians or Christ followers, because the Spirit is the one who regenerates the dead soul 
and brings new life in Christ. And new life in Christ is also one of our covenant affirmations. Without the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be any mission because the Spirit is the one who empowers us for mission to bring good news to the world. And without the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be any spiritual gifts because the Spirit is the giver of those gifts. And each follower of Jesus has been blessed through the Holy Spirit with spiritual gifts to strengthen and edify the mission of the church, the hands and feet of Jesus on earth today. And without the Holy Spirit, we would not have the Bible, the Scriptures, because Paul, the Apostle Paul told Timothy that the Scriptures are God-breathed. And they were written by people inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we have the very words of God, the living Word. So the Holy Spirit's work is absolutely critical to the world and the kingdom of God in which we live. And whenever you see this word God breathed in the scriptures, that's kind of Bible code for the Holy Spirit. We know this because in the Old Testament, the word for breath in Hebrew is ruach. Would you say that with me? Ruach. You can feel and hear the breath coming out of your mouth as you say this word ruach. That's spirit, that's breath. In Genesis 2, God breathed his spirit into Adam, which means the dust of the earth, and gave Adam the capacity to be a spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's enduring kingdom. And so God gave us the capacity, even as he created Adam and Eve, to be a spiritual being, not just flesh and blood, but a spiritual being who could one day be the temple of the Holy Spirit and a temple houses God. And we as believers don't make great difference between flesh and blood and spirit because it's all in one together. The New Testament word for spirit, for breath is pneuma. Would you say that with me? Pneuma. And that's where we get the word like pneumatic air tools. So like when you go to your tire shop and they're, you know, ripping off your tires to align them or replace a tire, they've got a pneumatic air tool that's taken off those, you know, bolts off that tire and it happens real fast. So we can do more work with the power of a pneumatic air tool than we could ever do with just a wrench that we crank in our own power. Does that make sense? When we have the power of the Holy Spirit, fueling us for mission. God just blesses those efforts with more faithfulness and fruitfulness. Now, the Bible tells us that when we say yes to Jesus, when we step that and cross over that line or threshold of faith into God's enduring kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ, when we believe, the Apostle Paul says, we receive the Holy Spirit and the Spirit is the actual spirit of Jesus living within us. And in the book of Acts, we are told that this is both an initial filling when you first say yes to Jesus. And then as we walk with Jesus, it's their continuous fillings. And, you know, uh, John the Baptist said in John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease. 
So we have this initial filling of the Holy Spirit. And then as we follow Jesus, we decrease and the Spirit increases. Or should I say, we learn how to surrender more and more to the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So it's all about Jesus and not about us. Amen? See, this is the initial filling and the continuous fillings as we walk with Jesus on the road of life and mission so that we can have the power to do so much more than we ever could for God in our own strength. So uh, some of you know I travel a lot. I travel over 100,000 miles a year. And so this is a very important tool for me. Now, probably every person on planet Earth has something like this. And I'm just convicted often when I plug in my cell phone, because I got my boarding passes on there, my temperature, you know, my email, everything, my Uversion Bible from Life Church, And so every time I plug this in, I say to the Lord, Holy Spirit, charge me up. And I have a confession to make that sometimes I care more about keeping my cell phone charged up than I do keeping my spirit charged up through a reliance and a conscious daily dependence and surrender on the person and work of the Holy Spirit in my life as a follower of Jesus. So next time you plug in your cell phone, just ask the Holy Spirit, charge me up, Holy Spirit. Fill me with the presence and power of Jesus. What a life we get to live. Oh, sometimes it's a crown of thorns, I know, but sometimes it's a bed of roses as well when we sense the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our life in good times and in hard times. Sometimes we forget that Jesus himself was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days of testing. Uh, He was guided by the Holy Spirit. The power to do miracles came from the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is amazing that Jesus was filled of the Holy Spirit is actually his own spirit. And this is sort of the mysterious part of how all the Trinity works. But what we do know is that Jesus Christ was fully human and fully God and that he had a flesh and blood body just like you and me. And because he had a body, he was confined to one place in one time. Just like you and me, we can only be in one place at one time. So this is why I think Jesus was so excited to ascend to his father after he died on the cross, rose from the dead, and he ascended to the father because he said, look, when I go, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the advocate, the paraclete. And now every follower that claims the name of Jesus, can be filled with the presence and spirit of Jesus, mission from everywhere to everywhere. Now Jesus no longer is confined to one place at one time. Now we have the spirit of Jesus who fills every believer everywhere on planet Earth all at the same time. And I think Jesus was so excited about this. Because he wants to live in every person he created, because we're all created in Imago Dei, in the image of the living God. And Jesus showed us by his personal example what it meant 
when the Apostle Paul talked about, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Jesus showed us how to do that. And what is a temple? A place where God lives. That's why your body is so important to God. Because it is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. That's why we need to care for our bodies and honor the Lord with our bodies. Are you with me so far? So let's focus in on one of the teachings of Jesus. And in doing so, I really want to respect the mystery of the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that Jesus talked about when he um, taught on the Holy Spirit was what I call the ministry of power, the ministry of power. And we heard it earlier this morning, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that's local, in Judea, that's regional, in Samaria, that's cross-cultural, and in, to all the ends of the earth, that is global. So what Jesus was basically saying to the disciples is, ready, set, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come on you. Don't go out on this life world changing mission before you've received the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because human flesh is not going to change the world. It's going to be the Holy Spirit working on, in, and through people who follow and love Jesus. Ready, set, wait. The disciples had to wait before they started the mission because we can't do the work of God without the power of God. The devil laughs at human strength but runs away in fright at even the mention of the name of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus who fills our lives right here, right now, today. And we know that the Holy Spirit is so real and powerful and effectual and transformative because of what happened to the disciples. Here they were. By the way, the women were much braver than the men. And, and they were cowering in the corner like, what do we do now? And, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and transforms this group of cowards to a courageous band of sisters and brothers who will go out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and literally change the world. I mean, get this, by the end of the first century, the good news of Jesus Christ had spread to over 30 countries and 39 major cities. This was absolutely incredible, and it happened not because of human ingenuity, but because of the Holy Spirit working on, in, and through these believers. So when I grew up in this church, I told you about like, I always, when we studied Acts, it was the Acts of the Apostles. Maybe you've heard that. And when I did some more study in Acts, I realized that that was mistitled because the book of Acts is really not about the apostles. It's really more about the Holy Spirit working on in and through the apostles. Do you know the word, words Holy Spirit are mentioned 
56 times in Acts alone, 90 times in the entire New Testament. So the book of Acts is really about the book of Acts of the Holy Spirit on, in, and through these early believers, and that extends to today. So back to this question, I want to take this kind of esoteric talk and just bring it down to everyday life, because if it doesn't work in the streets of life, it's not true. It's not real. It's not powerful. It's not transformative. So how does this becoming more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit work in everyday life? Before I share with you three exercises, I want to share with you this difference between trying and training. Because these exercises that I'm going to show you today, and we're actually going to practice one of them together. I'm so excited. This is all about training, not trying. You see, trying is about legalism. Training is about relationship. Trying is about performance, but training is about apprenticeship. Do you know the word disciple literally means learner, student, and apprentice? So some of you probably work in the trades, and you probably had to do three to seven years of apprenticeship with a master electrician or plumber or mechanic or whatever. And you had to watch what they do and how they do it. And uh, this is very similar to being an apprentice to Jesus. So we begin to pattern our lives after him. And we ask the question, like, if Jesus were me, how would he be living his life? His life through me. And we can surrender to the Holy Spirit. Live your life through me because my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So Paul said to his young protege, Timothy, train yourself to be godly. He did not say try to be godly because trying is about legalism performance, but training is about relationship and apprenticeship to Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, how many of you are Star Wars fans? Anybody out here? Raise your hand if you, oh, I love Star Wars. And we had, we would always go to the theater and now we have it all on, you know, Spotify or whatever, DVD. And uh, we just love that. And uh, one of the things that Yoda said was, don't try, do. Don't try, do. Well, that's basically what Paul is saying to Timothy. Don't try. Train yourself to be godly. So this is the spirit in which I want to share with you these three practical exercises. It's not about trying harder. It's about training to live our lives as if Jesus were living them for for us and being an apprentice to Jesus. And here's the real crux of discipleship. Listen now, that we would become the kind of people who would normally and naturally be consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit. It's about becoming the kind of person who would normally and naturally do this every day, even as in a crazy mixed up world. So three exercises. Here's the first one. Ready? Practice the agenda of thirds. You could do this around the dinner table. You could do this at your next prayer meeting here at church or on your leadership council. Divide your conversation into three main parts. 
The first part asks the question, how do I sense the Holy Spirit working on, in, and through me? It may be a scripture verse that's really coming alive for you, or God really came through for you this week, or surprised you, or you had this, like, God moment. And we all have those. In fact, if we had more time, a lot of people today could stand up and say, I just want to share what God did in my life this week. We'd be here a long time. See, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life as you follow Jesus. So just take some time. How's the Spirit working in me? The second third of the meeting or conversation asks this question. How is the Holy Spirit working in us as a congregation or in our community or around the world? Talk about that. Discern that. Then the third third part of the meeting would be asking this question. Based on how the Holy Spirit's working here and out here, what decisions do we need to make tonight? Or what things do we need to pray about and bring before God and cry out to God for help? And this can be a deeply spiritual, life-changing exercise. We've heard from so many people doing this, and they say, just thank you for sharing with us this practice of the agenda of thirds. And this is nothing new. Uh, The early church experienced this in Acts chapter 15 when they got together and they had to decide and discern, is the gospel just for Jewish people or is it for Gentiles as well? And this this was a hard decision for them to make. It's kind of hard for us to get into that moment, but this was more difficult than we could imagine. And they followed the Holy Spirit's leading. They have a civil, compassionate, Christ-honoring conversation, which is so rare today, don't you know? And they were able to walk out of that meeting and say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Don't you want to be a part of a conversation like that? Don't you want to be a part of a leadership team or a prayer team that when it's all over, you walk out of there and say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, and to us. I don't know about you, but I yearn for those kind of experiences. And it happens. Practice the agenda of thirds. The second practice that I'm encouraging you to work on this week is uh, practice praying the Holy Spirit's prayer. So this is very simple. Just pray something like, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do in or through my life today? And then just listen. So my bed root, my uh, wake up routine kind of goes like this. So before my feet hit the floor, I'm working through a progression of scriptures that I've memorized and meditate that are sort of like my life scripture verses. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, the 23rd Psalm, part of Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And then parts of John 15, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, fruit that will bring glory to God. Then you will ask the Father anything in my name and I will give it to you. I'm the vine, you are the branches. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. These are the kind of scripture prayers, meditations that I go through as I wake up because I spent 
way too many years. And you know what I did when I first woke up? I worried. I worried about the day. And I was trying to solve all these problems. But someone much closer to the Lord than me just said, Now, John, when you wake up, don't worry about your problems. Don't try to solve your problems. Just meditate on these scriptures. And then I began to just add on to that. And so I asked this prayer, like, Holy Spirit, after those, because my heart is warm, my ears are listening, my heart is soft and tender. What is it that you want to do in my life today? And I don't claim to hear God's voice at all. I just get this deep sense. And usually it's related to the scriptures, something around like the fruits of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. Be patient today. Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I always cross-reference what I sense the Holy Spirit saying to me with the Word of God because the Spirit will never speak. The Spirit will never act apart from the Word of God. Amen? And we have a great capacity to be self-deceived. So we always need to cross-reference what we hear. With This is why it's important to hide God's Word in your heart, not just under your arm. Hide God's word in your heart so that when you sense that it's the Lord speaking to you, you'll say, yes, that's how you spoke in the past. This is how you're speaking now. I hear you, Lord. I'm listening. So today I want to share with you what I heard over at the Fairfield Hotel on Virginia Avenue. It's a new hotel. It's very nice. And so here's what here's what I say. Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do in my life today? And This is what I sensed. Care for others. So the whole day today, my antennas are up. My heart is tender just to care for others in the name of Jesus. And I'm really focused on, I'm dialed in on that. I'm engaged on that. I don't know how that's all going to come to play, but I'm going to care for others today through the Holy Spirit's power and presence in my life. Sometimes I hear the word or phrase like uh, forgive or let go. You know, we all have hurts in our lives, and if we don't let go of those hurts or process them in a healthy way, those hurts can turn into bitterness. And that bitterness leads to resentment. And this is what Oprah said. I didn't come up with this, but you know what Oprah said about resentment. Oh, resentment is the poison you drink, hoping your enemy will die. So when we ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do in my life? Sometimes you may hear, let go. That's the healing work of the Holy Spirit. So practice the agenda of thirds. And by the way, there's nothing magical about the morning But this does come from the scriptures. Look at Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. So this is nothing new. It's right out of the scriptures. Here's what it says. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. And you know, sometimes I'm weary, you're weary. We're living in a weary, weary world. To know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning. See, it's a habitual thing. 
wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. That is the language of a student. Not someone who knows it all, but someone who wants to know the God who does know it all. Stuart Briscoe once said, said that a pastor ought to have the mind of a scholar, the skin of a rhino, and the heart of a child. That's the heart of a child. I don't know. And I want to know. I'm asking for your help. What's the word that you have for me today, Holy Spirit, to sustain me in a weary world? So this practice of praying the Holy Spirit prayer is not something I made up. It comes right out from the Scriptures. And again, there's nothing mystical or magical or extra special about the morning. Just give to Jesus the very best part of your day so that you can hear the still, small voice. That's the Holy Spirit. Practice the agenda of thirds. Practice praying the Holy Spirit prayer. And last, practice picturing the Holy Spirit at work on, in, and through your life. Uh, I once did a word study of all the metaphors and word pictures of the Holy Spirit in the Old and New Testament, and this is what I came up with. We see the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, or uh, the dove upon you know Jesus at baptism, oil and anointing, new birth, streams of living water, Wind and fire, that's not wind and fire, the musical group. Those are actual metaphors of the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures. Uh, pouring, pouring out, you know, oil, pouring out, a gift, breath, ruah, pneuma. These are word pictures, ways to understand the Holy Spirit's work in our life because the Holy Spirit is mysterious and God's ways are higher than our ways. But thank the Lord He's given us word pictures and metaphors to understand the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why? Because we can know the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is a person. So I'm really excited about this. In just a moment, I'm going to ask each of you, we're going to do this together, and we're all going to stand up and just go to one of the four tables in the sanctuary today and find a picture. And this picture would be something that you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to, and it describes how you sense the Holy Spirit working on, in, or through your life, or the life and ministry of this church, or in the world today. Uh, this is a very personal exercise, because you know better than anybody else how the Holy Spirit's moving your life. And then after that, I'm asking you to get into groups of three, or gather together as a family, and just take your picture and by the way, you can keep this. This is my gift to you today. And just take one minute in your group and just share why you picked this particular picture. And then you can keep this photograph and put it somewhere special. Like for me, this is a copy of the photograph that I have back in Vancouver, Washington, where Julie and I live near our kids. This is on my nightstand right by my bed, this, this photograph. And this is a picture that I would pick today. And I just want to, you know, model this to you and share just one minute why I picked this picture. So um, as some of you know, Julie and I discerned through the Holy Spirit and communal discernment that we, I was not going to run for a second term as president of the Evangelical Covenant Church. 
uh, you know, we were asking the Holy Spirit, are you reaffirming this call or are you releasing us from this call? And it turned out we were gung-ho, but the Holy Spirit had other plans. And we said, we're going to follow the Holy Spirit wherever the Spirit leads. So uh, at 2 a.m. on September 1st, my term is done as president. And it's 2 a.m. because in our bylaws, I have to pass the baton of legal authority to the next president. You know, so people have thought this out that are much smarter than me. But then after that, I don't know. I don't know what's up ahead and beyond the bend in that corner in the road. But um, I know that Jesus is there through the Spirit. And I know that Jesus is in my life now through the Spirit. And I can trust the Lord to prepare a place for us. And in Psalm 31, one of my favorite Psalms, David says, My times are in your hands. This is a man's hands, very dirty. I'm a hard worker. I love to work hard. And there's a compass in his hand. And it's about the direction of his life, being able to trust God. And so when I get anxious about what am I going to do after I'm done, I thought I was going to serve two terms, retire, and then volunteer in my local covenant church. What are we going to do? We don't know. Maybe some of you are in that situation, but I know that my times are in God's hands and I can trust in him and be at peace and not be anxious. Does that make sense? See, that's why this picture is on my nightstand and I look at it every morning just to be reminded that I'm not alone. My father is with me through the Holy Spirit's presence of Jesus. I want this for you. So let's stand And go to a table, find a picture that describes the Spirit's work in your life. Get into groups of three, take a minute to share, then I'll call everyone back. Thank you. Well, let's bring it back together. Did you like this exercise? Yeah, see, we're training. This is training to be more like Jesus in community with one another. Uh, Before I give you a blessing, I just want to say how delighted I was to walk into this church building last night, and some of us got together for dessert. Uh, I saw a picture on the wall of this church that I had never seen in any other church. And I've been in thousands of churches literally around the world. And uh, (laughs) it just fits so well with my message today. The Holy Spirit Retreat for Middle Schoolers. I just want to say if you're in middle school, I encourage you to sign up for this retreat and go to it with an open heart so that you can know more about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Hey, when I was in middle school, I knew God the Father. I knew God the Son. I did not know very much about God the Holy Spirit. And I just want to let you know how much that meant to me that you want middle schoolers to know and appropriate the Holy Spirit's power. Well done. That is awesome. 
So I want to give you a prayer blessing from the scriptures. Uh, this verse really means a lot to me. It's, it's like a go for it kind of verse. And, and it goes like this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Amen. Please stand as we're leaving. We're going to invite our prayer teams to take their place in the hallway. They pray with you after the service if you'd like prayer this morning. And as John said, go in peace and serve our Lord, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.